the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So God's voice comes from heaven. He breaks his silence, reveals himself to men. And, and this only occurs on about three occasions. It occurs here at Christ's baptism. It also occurs on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it also occurs in John chapter 12. Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands has actually been spending the last number of broadcasts, more than a week of programming, on this subject of baptism and specifically looking at the third chapter of the book of Matthew, and he'll continue there as well today. If you'd like to know more about this outreach, you can find our details on the web at highlands.us. I'd sure love to know that you listen to the broadcast as well. You can share that fact with us when you go to the website again, highlands.us. There's been a lot of conversation in this series between Jesus and John the Baptist, and Pastor Layton picks it up today where John tries to set the record straight. So it was John's conviction that it was he who needed what Jesus had instead of the other way around. You see, John's baptism was a baptism, a summons to repentance. But Jesus didn't need to repent, and he didn't need forgiveness from God because he hadn't done anything wrong. He was without sin. And so therefore, it really doesn't seem applicable. This baptism doesn't seem applicable to Jesus at all. John didn't think that Jesus needed to be baptized for repentance. Which then brings up the question, why then did Jesus need to be baptized? Why was Jesus baptized? Well, in the study this week, I came across several reasons. Uh, First, to confess sin on behalf of the nation, as did Isaiah, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Then, to accomplish God's mission and advance God's work in the world. To inaugurate his public ministry, which was to bring the message of salvation to all people. To show support for the ministry of John the Baptist. To give us an example to follow. And to identify with the penitent people of God thus with our humanness and sin. So in baptism, Jesus is identifying himself completely with sinful mankind. Remember that Isaiah, many centuries previous, said that he would be numbered with the transgressors. And so here is a king who identifies with his subjects. This story, beautiful story of Jesus' baptism by John in the waters of the Jordan, reveals a God of love who came to earth as a human being identifying with humanity. And if Jesus was going to offer salvation to sinners, he needed to identify with sinners. Hebrews chapter 2 says, because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. 
It was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. And then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we're being tested. He identifies with us. That word, identification, is an important word, and it's an important concept for us to have. The word comes from a root word meaning to treat as the same. Identification means to treat as the same. Those who are identified with Christ are treated as children of God because Christ identified with us by being treated as sinful, though he was not. Christ identified with us through baptism, and we identify with him through the same. Remember, it means to treat as the same. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes this identification. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So in Christian baptism, we are identified with Christ in his death and resurrection so that his death becomes our death and his resurrection our resurrection. In Jesus' baptism by John, Jesus identified with us in our humanity, taking the obligation to fulfill all righteousness that he might become our Savior and Lord. Verse 16, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so this event here is recorded for us is God authenticating the ministry of Jesus. It uses a phrase, heaven was opened, and and that's a phrase that's used in the Old Testament described when God himself is revealing something that is of significance, something important to his people. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Notice the word Spirit is capitalized. And when the word Spirit is capitalized in the New Testament, it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not to suggest that this is the first time Jesus receives the Holy Spirit because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And like John, he was filled with the Spirit in the womb. This, instead, is the ministry of the Spirit in announcing and anointing and inaugurating Jesus' public ministry. Now, according to John's Gospel, Coming of the Holy Spirit identified and confirmed to him that Jesus was the one who had been promised. And the dove is a symbol of the Spirit of God in its purity and peace. Notice he wasn't announced with lightning and thunder, or a hawk or an eagle, but with a gentle dove. And so this event inaugurates the age of the Spirit that was foretold by the prophet Joel. Now, Jesus was God incarnate. Jesus was fully divine in his essence and attributes. But during his time on earth in ministry, he doesn't operate in a display of his deity, but rather lives a human life under the leading and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And by doing that, gives us 
an example of a spirit-led and spirit-filled life. When he began his ministry, the first thing that he said, as recorded in Luke, is the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is upon me and has anointed me. Jesus was saying, I do my ministry under the leading and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is God, and God can do anything, but instead he operated as a spirit-led and filled man to set an example for us all. And we find an example of this in the next chapter, which, if the Lord tarries, we want to look at when we get together next. And, and it's the story of, of Jesus' temptation. Now, remember that Jesus is God incarnate, and God can snuff the devil like this if he wanted or bind him up. But instead, Jesus manages that situation as a spirit-led and spirit-filled human, correctly applying the word of God, providing a model for us to follow in managing temptation. And if the Lord tarries, and we, we plan on looking at that when next we meet. But the, this promised age of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, as referenced in Joel, is also described in Ezekiel as the age of God's new covenant when he's going to put his spirit in his people. And Ezekiel promised purification and the ability to be obedient to God and connects it with the new heart that God is going to give his people. And these are the beginning hints of this theme of regeneration and transformation by the work of the Holy Spirit that characterizes the teaching and the truth that is found throughout the New Testament and the early church. Verse 17 And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So God's voice comes from heaven. He breaks his silence, reveals himself to men. And and this only occurs on about three occasions in Scripture. It occurs here at Christ's baptism. It also occurs on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it also occurs in John chapter 12. Now, the first part of the sentence, this is my son, comes from Psalm 2-7, where God declares of his Messiah, you are my son, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. You will rule them with an iron scepter. And the second part of the sentence, with whom I am well pleased, comes from Isaiah chapter 42, which is the beginning of the scripture that describes God's suffering servant and culminates clear over in Isaiah chapter 53, which is familiar to many of us. So the first portion of the sentence, which is taken from Psalm 2.7, says, describes the relationship between the voice and Jesus. The voice is the voice of the Father. Uh, Jesus is the Son. And the relationship between the two is love. The voice said, this is my beloved Son. In the original language, the little translation, as for you, you are my Son, the Beloved One. Now, eventually, all believers would be called sons of God or children of God. But Jesus has a unique relationship with God because he is the only begotten son of God. We're children of God by adoption. But Jesus is the begotten, the only begotten son of God. Now, the phrase, in whom I am well pleased, means that God the Father constantly takes delight and satisfaction in the son. The uh, verb in the original language 
means to be constantly or continually pleased. He's always taken pleasure in his son. The original passage from Isaiah 42 says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. So the ancients understood that this was a messianic uh, passage. And I want us to observe here, because this is important for us to, to capture and learn, that Jesus was both a son and a servant to his heavenly Father. Being a son and a servant are not mutually exclusive. We are called to be both children of and servants to our Heavenly Father. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up today as we end the week, giving you those words to ponder across the weekend. We'll come back with the rest of this message on Monday at this same time. I hope you can join us then. Church of the Highlands has multiple services across the weekend, uh, beginning Saturday evening at 5 and then Sunday morning at 7 a.m. And there are several services Sunday morning and again a service on Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Go to the website for all the details. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a great weekend and come back Monday when we'll open the Word of God once more and study verse by verse.